Hello and welcome to the Dorm Room Dispute Podcast. I am Mitchell Kaminsky. We will have Patrick Cushman joining us in a little bit uh, to break down the Daytona 500. We'll talk some football. J.J. Watts, uh, the Wisconsin kid, he, he's available in free agency. Will his Packers pick him up? Well, some reactions to uh, some of his horrible Super Bowl picks. Uh, we will confront him on that. So all that coming up in just a bit. Stick around for that. I want to start with this, though. Uh, NBA, you know, we're getting to we're getting to the halfway point of the season. We're starting to be able to tell who the pretenders and the contenders are. And you know, I've cooled down on my Brooklyn Nets uh, tirade because when that initially the through the James Harden trade initially took place, you know, I'm not gonna lie, uh, I, I was a little I was a little upset. Uh, if you haven't heard that rant, you definitely should. A uh, little upset, knee jerk reaction. Now that I've been able to watch them, I will say the team's growing up. They are a very fun team to watch. Those three guys on the floor. Like Kevin Durant, he's not averaging very many shots a game, yet he's still averaging like 30 points. Uh, he's a very efficient shooter. Uh, I, James Harden, who's generally known as a ball hog, he's leading the NBA in passing attempts and assists. He's having 73 passes per game, and he's averaging 11 assists per game. He's coming off a 16-assist night the other day, uh, which I think is very impressive. And yeah, Kyrie Irving, he's averaging, like I said, he's averaging 27 points. Uh, he's kind of moved over to the shooting guard role. They let James Harden take the point, which I think was a smart decision. Uh, they're a fun team to watch. I think that it's a very good team. Now, that being said, there's still some things that bother me with them, and there's a lot of people that are like, oh, yeah, they're gonna, they're gonna win the NBA final. They're not, they're not beating the Lakers. I've been watching a lot of the Lakers play. I've been watching some of the Clippers play. Some of these better teams in the NBA. You, now I'm getting into the swing of the NBA. I'm telling you right now, this Clippers team will not win this year. They're not winning a championship this year. They might get to the finals. I think they're definitely going to the Eastern Conference Finals. Uh, they're not winning anything though. Here's why. Number one, they do not play a lick of defense, and that's not a hot take. They they they're terrible at defense, and part of that was, uh, yeah, I think a lot of it's effort uh, wise because when they actually decide to try on defense, they are not as bad as they are efficiently rating. I can pull those numbers up for you if you really want to get all nerdy about it, but I'll spare you from that. Uh, when they're playing teams that are in the top ten in the league, they do try a little bit more, and it shows the numbers. They're not they're still bad defensively. They're not as bad as they are right now, or it's like one of the worst teams in the league. But they've known they can protect the middle, which is the problem. DeAndre Jordan, basically, he's running around there for 15 minutes of exercise, and he occasionally he gets a dunk. Trading Jared Allen, that, that hurts his team defensively. Uh, like I said, they don't try. And what really ticks me off is James Harden, for as much as, you know what, I think he gave... This is not just me hating on James Harden here, too, because he had an interview with Rachel Nichols. I thought he gave some good answers. James Harden's growing on me. I, I like the beard he's got. It's well-maintained. Uh, he's passing the ball. He's not a ball hog anymore. He's trying to be a winner. All right, you know, I'll cut him a little slack there. But you see him on the defensive end, and he's always pointing where everyone should go, where he's basically a traffic cone out there playing the Olay defense. Like, when the NBA was first worried about their COVID protocols, James Harden didn't have to worry about catching it because he's basically six feet away from the guy on offense anyway. Yeah, he didn't have to worry about catching COVID because he's nowhere near where the ball is. It's supposed to be defensively. He's got the audacity to stand out there. Oh, you're supposed to be over there. He's like pointing places. It's like, what the what the hell do you know about playing defense? You got, you got the nerve to point at places. Yeah, that so that kind of that kind of bothered me watching him the other night there. And too, like I said, with the lack of effort on defense this team gives, it's a lot like I see a lot of Clippers vibes. You know, like they didn't try during the regular season. They had guys taking nights off. This team's barely been able to play together. And some of it's not been any of the fault of their own. I know Kevin Durant got pulled because of the COVID thing. And they're not on the floor a whole lot together. Uh, and once they finally do get on the floor in the playoffs, everyone's like, oh, they're just going to flick the switch and figure it out. Well, they all said that about the Clippers last year. Didn't happen. And I don't think Steve Nash is a first-year head coach. You know, is he going to be able to get the, the chemistry? No, he's basically a babysitter out there. I don't see, I don't see it working. I don't see them beating the Lakers. I think this Lakers team—they're deep. This is one of the deeper teams they've ever had. They're good defensively too. And Anthony Davis has really been—he's not having a very good year. He just had the Achilles thing, which I'm a little concerned about. But man, LeBron James is playing phenomenal. I mean, what he—he's been able to do. People concerned about the minutes thing. I don't think it's that big of a deal. They've had mostly his minutes. He's been averaging about 31, which is not terrible. 
And then they had obviously all the overtime games, so it inflates it a little bit. But I still, I, I would not worry about that. I think his conditioning's fine. Kyle Kuzma's actually, he's playing very well. Montrez Harrell has been playing really well. And I love that Horton Tucker. We talked about him a little bit last week. Uh, he is playing well, too. I'm still sticking with the Lakers. Those are my front runners uh, right now for, for the teams I like. Boston Celtics, too. You know, this team, another team that's growing on me. I, I kind of like them as well. They're playing well. Uh, Marshall's uh, Wizards. Pulled off a couple big wins. Bradley Beal was diving under bleachers today to get a ball out there. Gave me a little uh, uh, flat throwback. PTSD vibes from my uh, Y ball days. <laughs> uh, stuff like we, uh, I've been doing. And I'll tell you, man, this is yeah, this is going to sound like a moronic take. Kawhi Leonard's very good. I, I had called the game on ColorCast. If you guys listen to that, we appreciate it. Watching a full game of that man playing. He was without Paul George um, against my Chicago Bulls, which is a close game for a while. But he was efficient. He was all over the defensive side, and they could not they could not find an answer for him in the mid range game. The man is like, is there not really? Uh, he's, he's got a very pretty mid range. He get he turns face to the basket, that nice like turnaround jumper. Yeah, I don't think he missed one of those all night. And if he did, it wasn't very many of them. Very efficient there. And Paul George uh, is having a very nice bounce back season. So that's a, that's a team. If I was the Lakers, I'd be concerned about. They'll beat them still. They still think they're better. But the, I think if they if they get past the Clippers, they're beating the Nets. I don't think the Nets are. I don't think the Nets are. They're, they're championship contenders. They'll make the finals. Not contenders. That's all I got uh, on that front. Uh, I mean, you know, MVP conversation. I read an article the other day. that was like, oh, it's, Steph Curry's not getting enough credit in the MVP conversation. Yeah, yeah, he is. He's getting what he deserves. I mean, he he's in it, isn't he? So that's kind of dumb. It should be LeBron front runner. By a long shot, uh, Joel Embiid would be two. Actually, I'm going. You know who I would like? I'd like to see third is Nikola Jokic, just for the efficiency in his minutes, what he's been able to do uh, with the fewest amount of minutes. Like, well, just as far as points, rebounds, assists, uh, he's been able to do more with his minutes than any other player in the NBA, and it's not even close. Uh, so I would put him actually number three, and it's also a good team they have there. Uh, with the Nuggets, Rudy Gobert, maybe Donovan Mitchell. They're playing well too. Wouldn't put in the conversation yet. So my my top three for MVP right now. I'm going LeBron one. I got Embiid two. We're going Jokic three. Uh, Jokic and Embiid are close too. Actually, they're all kind of close. LeBron, I think, still best team out there. Uh, and he's been screwed on so many MVPs. I think they owe him this one. Uh, so I, that's who I would have as a front row. Real quickly before before we bring on our Patrick here, this is the last thing I, I wanted to talk about, and you know it didn't get a whole lot of. I mean, it did get a whole lot of news these past couple weeks. Urban Meyer is a. I've never liked this guy. I think he runs a very. He's kind of a sleazy person. Uh, the, he hired the wide receivers coach when he was at Florida, who had domestic violence allegations, and he thoroughly investigated that. Uh, and, you know, that that all came out. So, uh, once again, he struck again. Uh, he, he made uh, another mistake. Uh, he hired he hired Chris Doyle. If you don't know who Chris Doyle is, he coached at Iowa. Uh, and he was accused of being uh, racist and uh, bullying players, uh, specifically the, the black one. There was a report that he'd step on people's toes or whatever. And that Iowa was breeding a culture... Uh, mostly fueled by him. There's a couple other guys. Uh, they, you know, they wouldn't let him play. They wouldn't let him wear the dreads. They expected him to dress and act in a certain way. Uh, and there was the, the many players coming forward saying, like, "Hey, this guy's a problem." He's eventually suspended and fired by the university. So what does Urban Meyer do as soon as he gets the Jaguars job? Uh, he goes out and hires him, and he says, "Hey, well, you know what? I stand by him. I've known him for a long time, uh, and we we did our research. We vetted him thoroughly." Oh, really? Well, first off, that sounds like you, you wonder why there's all these people complaining why the ruining world doesn't work and that how there's not uh, many minority coaches getting hired. It's because that's exactly the definition right there of the old boys network that most of them talk about. It's like, well, you know, I've known him for a long time. He's a good guy. We're going to hire him. And they said they betted him thoroughly. Well, clearly they didn't because they ended up releasing him 36 hours after the hire. So uh, where was the vetting then? You're all of a sudden you're vetting them after the hire. I think they got pushback, a lot of pushback, and he's like, all right, this is some unnecessary attention. So they got rid of uh, Chris Doyle from the program. But uh, you, come on, you really are like that. That's that's bad. That is a bad start. Poor judgment. 
I think this is going to be a disaster in Jacksonville, and I hope it is. I'm not particularly a big fan of Urban Meyer. Yeah, he's had a lot of college success, but he was down in Florida. He's riding Tim Tebow's coattails, let's be honest. Goes to Ohio State, wins again. I mean, listen, he's a good college coach. I'm not going to think the guy too much. He won national titles in two different programs, but he leaves Ohio State. Ryan Day's picked up right where he's left off. He hasn't really missed a beat, so, I mean, well, what, what, was he that great? I don't know. He's kind of a scumbag. Sleazy. Sleazy. I feel bad for Trevor Lawrence, who's going to go to that, that horrible franchise full of swampland and old people and a bunch of rub and tug places. Maybe Robert Kraft will take a visit up there. It's horrible. It's horrible. Nothing to do in Jacksonville. Now you got a bad football team, a sleazy head coach, and he very nearly had a racist assistant coach. They got out of that one, though. Dodged the bullet there, if you can say that. But that whole thing could have been avoided without them even having to be in the vicinity of the bullet. So, yeah, we'll see how it goes. But I, I here's my prediction for you. College coach like that, I think he can do whatever he wants. He's not going to have as much power. The NFL is a whole new ball game. These guys expect to be treated like men, not talk town, do like college kids. We'll see if he can adjust. adjust. I mean, Nick Saban, you saw how he was. Great college coach in the NFL. Didn't work out too well. Uh, we'll see. Not a good start for Urban Meyer. Not a good start. Joining us once again, Patrick Cushman, NASCAR aficionado. And I must, it must have been a good, uh, good weekend for you. Um... Daytona 500 was this weekend, uh, and it was an exciting. I mean, I am not a huge NASCAR fan. I am. A, I'm more of a casual fan, I guess you could say. I've been to the Hall of Fame down there in Charlotte, but uh, this was one. I'm like, ah, you know what? We'll check it out. And it was an exciting race. And then the rain came, and then those who stuck around and waited for the end were rewarded because it was a phenomenal finish. Uh, I'll, I'll I'll give it to you. What were your initial uh, what impressions of the Daytona 500 and the exciting finish? And Michael McDowell, who was an 101 long shot to win pulling off the victory. Yeah, um, first and foremost, congratulations to Michael McDowell, a guy who has, you know, had his ups and downs in the sport from, you know, getting released to being on a start and park team, which uh, for those of you who don't know, they start the race and then they run three laps about and then they park it for the rest of the race because they don't want to spend money on it. He was on one of those teams, um, and now finally um, has a full ride at Front Row Motorsports. So huge congratulations to him. And it's good to get back into the NASCAR season. Um, I think really NASCAR did a good job at marketing this race too. Um, I mean, I was going to watch it anyways, but as like someone who's a casual, what did you think about that? Oh, I thought it was well, really well marketed. They had the thing on Twitter where like if you guess the driver correctly, you like tag them. Uh, then they'd have someone like send you a video congratulating you. They were really, they were really interactive about that, and I think they thought they did a great job going out and uh, trying to attract uh, uh, a different audience. I actually think too, uh, like uh, Bubba Wallace and Michael Jordan's whole team that helped because they had that whole thing on Fox. I thought they had a really cool video I saw on Twitter where it was like a promotional thing for the right, like just like showing how hard it is to actually win the Daytona 500. What a big deal it is. Uh, so I was very impressed. I thought it was disappointing for NASCAR that, like, I feel like they did have a pretty good audience, and then the weather just kind of spoiled it because I don't know how many people, st besides the diehards that stuck around to watch it, because we were watching it at the, our, our fraternity house uh, when it first came on, and they had it on the TVs at uh, our gym uh, here. And then uh, once once it, the thunder hit, after, like, about a half hour, it was like that was the end of that. Uh, they switched it. So that was that well, was unfortunate, but... It wasn't like a 30-minute rain delay. I mean, it was like a six-hour one. Right, so, I and mean, there's nothing they can do about that. You know, fit through it. And, yeah. I, and I know it takes a while to clean off the track, too. Now, this is what I want to get into as far as the actual race itself. I think it is – I was rooting for Brad, Brad Keselowski. That was my guy. That's who I picked on Twitter, too, strictly because I really like his car. Uh, when, you know, they sell, like, the mini NASCAR things, they had, like, a funny one, blue light instead of, like, the Miller Lite car. But I always thought it was pretty sweet. Uh, so I was rooting for Brad Kozlowski, uh, and he was, like I said, he was my pick to win. So just to sound smart, I was really rooting for him near the end, and he was in second, he was starting to make a move, and then McDowell kind of bumped him, and that caused a big crash uh, with his teammate, I believe it was, Joey Logano, is that correct? Uh, yeah. That's his, who was his teammate. They both crash, and then McDowell is the beneficiary of clipping him from the back. Now, I know you blame, when we were talking about this briefly last night, uh, you said it was more Kozlowski's fault because he made an aggressive move, but I think McDowell bumped him in no, the back actually, while he was doing it, so I think it was his fault. He caused the whole thing and got rewarded. Well, now, 
I mean, that's I mean, that's Daytona. Is you're going to bump, you're going to run, and Brad needed a run. That's why he he lifted a little bit so that he would accordion the field behind him and get Logano out um, out ahead so that he wouldn't have any draft help. And then when that accordion hit, um, you, he was going to get a big push from the 34. So he purposely did get that push from the 34. And the, he fakes high and then goes low. And Logano, I mean, it's the last lap in Daytona. You know, you're going to try to block that run. Otherwise, Brad was going to right. overtake him in the race. Um, unfortunately, that block came a little late. Um, they made contact with his bumper, and they both spun out. And that's really tough. And I'm a huge Keselowski fan, um, and I'm a really big Penske fan too. So I, bo- I like um, Keselowski's my number one guy, but I really like Joey Logano too. So it went really cool for them to finish one to one two, and it looked like that was going to happen. Um, and then they both they both crashed, and actually all five Penske cars um, got wrecked that race. Right. So uh, I think the biggest loser of last night was Roger Penske's checkbook because those race cars are sure not cheap. The crash too, if you look at it, it was, it was kind of, it was a big crash. Like it was surprising that oh, everyone got oh, up yeah. like, okay. Cause there's a big fireball there, but uh, you know, it, it sounds bad, but I, I feel like the crash and not, yeah, obviously you're not rooting for anyone to get hurt, but that's part of what makes this race so exciting just because there is so many, uh, unknowns and you get a couple wrecks like that and there's the big one early on too i you know what i think what was so disappointing for keselowski was the fact that i don't believe that was his number one car if i'm mistaken like it wasn't he did not have the fastest car in the field uh and they were in a pretty good position like him and his team ran a pretty good race to get him in position to still come out with the win there and then it all just unfolded, uh, unraveled near the end. And a guy who won, I mean, that's the other thing about NASCAR that's frustrating because I, I, I'm glad I didn't bet on it because uh, they had like a bet for him to get in the, t- the top 10 um, where the guy who hadn't been in first the entire race ended up winning because he got in first in the last lap. So just a little, a lot of unknowns there, right, I guess. Yeah. But, well, and you did make a good point. Kozlowski was using his backup car because um, he crashed in the duels. And so when you use your backup car, that means you also have to start at the back of the field. So he started at the back of the field with a backup car. Um, I don't think he really did have the fastest car out there. Um, he certainly didn't qualify really that fast. But the way the race folded, um, Penske did a really good job of planning their pit stops. Because if you saw a Toyota, they were running top almost the entire race. Then they, mess- they messed up their pit stop. They didn't leave pit road all at once. They lost all their draft help, and uh, they got shuffled down to the back. Bubba Wallace, he obviously had some problems, had to go back to pit road, ended up a lap down. Um, And he's going to do that a lot this year. Um, Despite all the hype, fact of the matter is he's not very good of a race car driver. Um, So they can keep hyping him up. They can keep giving him specials. Who, Wallace? That doesn't give you any talent. Yeah, bubble. Well, that's okay. So I wanted to get to that. I think I, part of that. I think you're kind of harsh on him. One, I think. Well, he he was in the lead for a while, which is something no black driver's done before. But I think a lot of it is they he has a lot of added pressure because they're hyping up. It's like almost Danica Patrick levels of intensity. Where Danica Patrick was not that great of a NASCAR driver either, because she was a woman in the sport. She got a lot more um, attention and uh, you know pressure that comes with it uh, than she deserves. So there's a lot of you know. There's a lot more scrutiny on there. Like, cause the fact of the matter is, he's just like an average racer. But I thought he did a good job, and I think there's a lot of extra pressure on him that everyone's expecting him to be great just because he's like the minority driver in there, which I think is unfair to him. Well, he asked for that pressure last year. Did he, though? I he, mean, you know, all he, he was doing he was... made ra- all these publicity stunts. And it's not even the politics, too. It was two years ago at the Charlotte Roval when, you know, he goes into Alex Bowman's space and splashes the water and, you know, has his middle finger out, you know, for two entire laps. You know, it that's just the kind of guy he is. He always looks for the spotlight, always looks for the attention. Um, in the Cup Series, though, he hasn't been very good. Um, and now he's in top-tier equipment. Maybe he'll prove me wrong. Maybe he'll win a couple races. Um, he didn't race awful. Seems like the problem that he had. Um, I think I think he might have had a lug nut loose, um, but with that being said, I, I don't know. And I know 
like that's a lot a lot of NASCAR what they're marketing towards is Bubba Wallace he is obviously like their poster boy which I think is unfair to a lot of these drivers like Kyle Busch Brad Keselowski Joey Logano who have been out doing this sport for 10 years and winning races and then you have you know NASCAR you know, making the face of their sport a guy who's never won shit. Well, I and mean, part of that is, though, too, let's be honest here. He's really, he, what Wallace did for the sport last year is he's really made it more popular. Like, he got NASCAR in the national attention uh, where it hasn't been. Like, let's be honest, it's more of a Southern-based sport. It is not a nationally well, like, it's a, it's a niche sport for a certain area, and I think he's grown the base of it. And NASCAR sees that, and they're trying to capitalize on it because he's bringing in a lot more casual fans and a lot more uh, minority fans who usually wouldn't watch. So I think they I, – I don't disagree with NASCAR for doing that. And I'll be honest, I think Michael Jordan, he's a competitive guy. He's not going to be investing all this money for a bunch of losers. I would. I think the team they have there, they will win at least a couple races this year. They will win at least one, whether it's Wallace or uh, uh, Hamlin. I think Wallace is going to win one. Calling it right now, they're gonna. Well, he's Hamlin gonna. Is, th- Hamlin isn't racing for Jordan's team. Or um. Uh, Hamlin's the co-owner, but he's with. He's still with Joe Gibbs Racing. Well, okay. Well, I. Yeah, I like with I all the. This, this Michael Jordan team is practically a fifth team for Joe Gibbs. It's practically a fifth car for him, and I mean they're getting a lot of support from Toyota Racing Development and Joe Gibbs. So it's a competitive car. I mean that car. Ran really fast in practice and in qualifying, and ran really fast yesterday. And I, that was a big question mark. Is no one knew this new team's coming out? Like, how good will it be? You know, and you never really know. But I mean, it was it was they had a really fast race car, so I'll give them that. Yeah, I mean, um, with, I think the black owner and a black driver is good for the sport, and I think they were competitive. They were in the hunt for the majority of that race. So I think that's good for him. I know you don't like him and he might not be the best driver out there, but I think he's going to, I think he's pumping. Jordan is pumping so much money into that team. I think they're going to win at least one race this year. That's my prediction. I don't know. Maybe well, I'm wrong. we'll see. Is there any, yeah. Any other, uh, any other thoughts you had on the, uh, the race in general? Um, uh, I will say this. So Derek Cope, who won the, and so the qualifying for this, for NASCAR is very complicated. There's a charter system to where if you own a charter, you automatically qualify for every race. Um, and then there's, there's this really bum team called Rick Ware Racing, and they're they're always back of the pack, always finishing last. And they used one of their charters uh, at Daytona for Derek Cope, who won the Daytona 500 in 1990, I believe. And and so this guy's like 65. Right, and he hasn't raced competitively in like 15 years, so it's pretty cool, you know. Derek Cope, oh, he's making his return, right? And uh, he crashes lap three, and uh, he's out for the rest of the race after lap three. Now, do you think after that big crash, because there was two fairly early, um, the one on lap? Well, there was the one. There was one lap three, which just took out Derek Cope. Yeah. Then there's a then bigger was one, the one like, lap 14. Yes. So that was the big one. Yeah. Now here's my. Did that almost play to some of these drivers' advantage? Just the fact that there was a long rain delay and like. So I don't know the rules on this, but I know there was a bunch. Like half the field was in that crash. Do they get during that delay time to fix up their car or whatnot and get back out there? Does that help no. any? Um, during during the red flag, you cannot work on your car. Um. Now, I will say, if you're given six hours, um, you can plan on what you're going to do with it. Because So the thing is, is after an accident, there's a timer that you can work on the car, or else you have to put it in the garage. Right. Um, and so now with this red flag, now you can inspect it, so you're not using that time inspecting it. You can just go straight to work. So... In that scenario, yes, it did help. Obviously, some cars um, just got torn up. You know, you're not fixing some of that stuff. Um, but it does. It does. You are able to see the damage. You are able to adjust for it. Um, it didn't really make that big of a deal in the end because none of the drivers that were running. Well, Michael McDowell did have some damage in that first wreck. Um, so maybe that maybe that did help a little bit. 
I don't really know, but no, you're not able to work on it. So, yeah. Well, it was an exciting race. It's I I kind of like how NASCAR has its equivalent of the Super Bowl as their first race of the season. Uh, makes it kind of exciting. So, uh, you know what? We might have to we might have to follow along here, and we'll see we'll see if uh, do you have yeah. any? So I my that was my prediction. I think Wallace is going to win a race this year. Do you have one bold prediction for the rest of this NASCAR season? Um, I think that Kevin Harvick will win his second NASCAR champion. Last year he had nine wins, but um, he had a very uh, lowly playoff performance, wasn't able to get even into the championship four. I think this is going to be his redemption tour. I'm going to have him winning the NASCAR championship. Um, and so, yeah, I guess that's that's my big one. All right, moving on to the NFL news. Uh, Wisconsin boy, J.J. Watt. He asked for his release from the Texans. Uh, now, the third star that has left, he, was, he who's granted his release, too. They both agreed to part ways. So it's been J.J. Watt now, James Harden, um, uh, Russell Westbrook. All these stars are leaving Houston. Uh, Deshaun Watson, I would think, would be next. It looks like it. So we'll just stick with Watt here. What do you think? Because, I mean, he at one point, he was the most dominant defensive player in the league. I'll be honest. I think these past couple years, he's been a bit overrated. He stayed alive because of the name brand. Too many injuries for me. That's what happens when you're doing these Instagram tire workouts. They're bad for the back, so you wonder why he's always hurt. So if you're a team, you're a competitive team like the Packers, or I can see maybe like a Browns or something, you're taking a flyer on J.J. Watt. Do you still think he can contribute? Because I remember there was one time, he was in a playoff game. I believe it was against the Raiders. Where I first round playoff game where he jumped up in the line to block a pass and that pass just stuck to his gloves and he scored a touchdown. Like, that's the type of impact player he can be. I don't know if he can still be that guy. So where do you think? Who would you? Who do you think could use him? And do you still think he can make an impact? Because I know there's a lot of Bears fans are like, oh, we should sign him. He says he likes the food in Chicago and he has a house here. It's like, eh, is he really gonna help? I don't think so. But uh, who? Well, yeah, where do you? Where do you think he's uh, headed? So yeah, I mean you're right. I mean his best days are done. He's not going to win a defensive player of the year anymore. Um, you know, he's not going to be an every down kind of guy. Um, you know, that's just not who he's going to be. But, you know, when it comes down to it, he's a playmaker. And on a third down in, you know, a key situation, he is still able to make a play. Um, and that's, you know, for a lot of these teams, a team like the Packers, that's, you know, could be vital into what they do in the playoffs. Um and this reminds me a lot of when the Packers picked up Julius Peppers um, a few years ago. A guy who, you know, he's, you know, at the end of his career, looking to join a contender, um, really could only play on like third down, you know, and kind of situationally. But you know what? There were at times where he made a big play, um, got the big sack, made a, made a turnover, um, so that this kind of reminds me of a similar situation. He's from Wisconsin. He went to school in Wisconsin. Um, uh, so I think this could be a perfect fit for the Packers. Um, but he could. All, I could also see him going to a team like Pittsburgh um, to play with his brother. But I still think he's got something left in the tank and any contender would love to have him. Yeah, I feel like, and I know there's a lot of these delusional Bears fans that think we're going to sign him. One... We already are paying Robert Quinn all this money. We have Khalil Mack, and there's no spot for J.J. Watt. I would love to have him over Quinn, but, like, there's no spot. So, two, he left the Texans because he wants to play for a contender. He is ring hunting at this point, so he's not going to go to some uh, – the dumpster fire that's going on there or any of these other places. He wants to win now. So I can see the Packers as a possibility. I don't think the Packers will sign him. That's really not their style to go get these big-name free agent guys. I, I think Cleveland makes a lot of sense for me. That's a team that could use another pass rusher, and I think Pittsburgh would make a lot of sense, and I think he would want to play there next to his brother. Uh, that would be a pretty dynamic. I think his brother right now, I, I mean, I don't. I, I know for a fact his brother right now is better than he is. Uh, but, yeah, both of those two, with a team that already led the NFL in sacks last year, that could be that could be interesting. Um, so we'll see how that goes. But, I, yeah, I think Cleveland right now makes the most sense for me anyway I think if I if I was uh, him that, and like for both sides they need a pass rusher Watt wants to go to contender I think that would be the perfect uh, match made there well I think he does work well with the Packers too because he plays defensive yeah. end yes yeah um, 
And so the Packers do kind of need help next to Kenny Clark in stopping the run and the pass. Um, so I think, and I think it, this is, and this brings up a good point for the Packers, and it's the point that they need to go all in. Yeah. Um, you know, they've, they've been kind of last couple seasons, you know, building, you know, pieces for the future, and that's great and all. Fact of the matter is, Aaron Rodgers is 38. Um, he had a fantastic year this year, this past year, but you know how he can't do it forever. Um, and they need to go all in because um, this upcoming year might be the last year. Um, and so uh, I think that they need to make a big signing like J.J. Uh, Watt. Hell, even trade for a wide receiver, I think that they need to go all in, and I think J.J. Watt's almost the perfect candidate to, to, show, to show that. I know you've stood behind the draft they had. Is there any now, looking back, hindsight, uh, is there any buyer's remorse over Jordan Love, the Jordan Love draft pick? With all the great receivers that were um, taken, and we've gone no. over this plenty. So yeah, but like, you still, you still okay with it? No, because in, in ten years from now, Jordan Love, you know, could be MVP, right? Yeah, and he could have one, two Super Bowls, and you never know. But in ten years, he could also be out of the NFL, um, or he could be playing in that fan-controlled football league that we saw this past weekend. Oh, so yeah. Well, we'll, all right. Well we'll, well, we'll get into that. All right. Yeah. So you said, and I we brought this up last weekend, and both me and Marshall agreed that that you that's a terrible take. But uh, that Tom Brady, you said, if Tom Brady won another Super Bowl, you would consider the fact, you would entertain the fact that the NFL is rigged. Now, I told you that the yeah. Bucks were going to win this game just because they were the better team. They had the better roster, and it played out that way. And uh, I'm very glad it did play out that way. It helped my uh, checkbook because I was telling everyone the Bucks were going to win. Anyway, enough about me. Do you still, yeah, I mean, you alluded to it. You still think it's rigged? Um, you know, I'd have to look into it more. Um, but the fact of the matter is, um, I, I don't know. I didn't watch the game. I think a lot of my takes on the Super Bowl, Super Bowl were just because I was still pretty salty about the Packers losing, and I was just kind of like looking at it from here because I'm pretty sure I said I had Kansas City winning by like 20 points. <laughs> uh, and so uh, like now looking back on it, it was mostly just because I was still salty from the Packers losing. Um, I didn't watch. I probably watched like three plays of the Super Bowl. Uh, so, um, studying, I'm assuming instead. I don't know. I have to look into it. I don't know. It, it, it very well could be. I mean, this obviously helps the NFL's narrative. That's for sure. Well, I would um, think, okay. So like, I see that's where it's convenient that Antonio Brown and Leonard Burnett ended up on that team. That's all I'm going to say about that. Well, I mean, the Jaguars cut him, and you said before the season, Leonard Burnett's well, no good. So that would make sense that he'd be available now the Antonio Did Brown the thing. Cut in for, you know, and then Antonio Brown had that discretion a day before he signed with the Buccaneers, didn't get suspended for it. His contract didn't get voided. You know that whole thing. Well, they 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 suspended uh-huh. him when he was playing with the Patriots the year before. So I don't think it's as big no, help. But the day before he signed with the Buccaneers, he went on some like rampage in his neighborhood. I'm pretty sure. Right. I, yeah, I don't know. I, I forget what he did. But then, like, the Buccaneers didn't find out about it until, like, after he had signed the contract. You know, it was a whole thing. I, I'd have to look back on it. I haven't really looked at it. Um, but it certainly does help the NFL's narrative. And uh, I would think, but, though, the NFL, well, one, first off, I don't like Antonio Brown. I don't think he should be on a roster. That man is a scumbag. Uh but I, I don't think it helps their narrative. I would think they would want the young quarterback of the future and Patrick Mahomes to win, especially the way they hype him up. I mean, the guy makes an underhand pass for three yards, and everyone's like, oh, my God, that is the greatest thing I've ever seen. Oh, like, do you believe what you just saw? It's like, all right, calm down. I throw, I throw an underhand pass. He's not and we're working with those weapons. But, like, everyone, they, their, their narrative is Patrick Mahomes. I think that's the future of the game. They're trying to the, uh, turn it to. I would think that would be better for the uh, the NFL than uh, Tom Brady winning yet again, which most people didn't want to see. I mean, that's yeah, should... but it's on a new team. It's on a new team. It's Tampa Bay. Blah blah blah. And you know what? To be honest, um, my dad he's been to a Tampa Bay Packers game, and I got to tell you, all these Tampa Bay fans, it's such a bandwagon franchise. Um, my dad he went to 
Tampa Bay versus Green Bay in Tampa Bay, and it was the year before they uh, drafted Jameis Winston, and it was about 60% Packer fans. Yeah. And so it's a bandwagon fan base. Maybe they're trying to revitalize it. I don't know. I haven't really looked into it. I'm still a little bit salty about the loss, so that's probably why I went into it. I mean, I don't disagree. So here's what I want. As an expert in this field yourself, uh, they had their championship parade. Tom Brady got a little lost in the sauce. Uh, People say, oh, it was the sea legs on the boat. Do you think it is Tom Brady's just a lightweight, or do you think he was actually he was actually throwing him back? Because my thing was everyone's like, oh, I like Tom Brady more now. He's he's relatable. He's trucking the Super Bowl trophy around. He has to get carried out. And look, I mean, yeah, everyone's been there where their buddy has to like escort him out of the bar because they can barely walk. But I I think it was because he's a lightweight. I don't think he was drinking that much. That's my take. I think I think he's lightweight, I, and I I lost a little respect for him. Because my quarterback could throw him down. If there's Mitch Trubisky out there, they show him on the Jumbotron. He's pounding beers. So, yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Well, I think he was trying to keep up with Gronk. And this is a mistake. <laughs> you do, you uh, hang out with, you start drinking with that guy for two hours in. I don't care how much of a drinker you are. You're probably uh, not going to be able to hang, especially Tom Brady's, what, 43, 42? Yeah. Um. And so at that age, you know, you're, uh, you know, he's certainly not in college anymore. And, you know, he's like a big fitness nut, too. So yeah. I doubt he really drinks, like, outside of, like, a glass of Cabernet with, like, his in-laws or something. I don't know. Yeah. Um, I... But, I, but I bet he doesn't drink that often. And he hung out probably with Gronk, tried to keep up, and just got lost in it. They, people were also saying it was the, the, because they were out in the sun. I think that's a myth. I don't know how true that is. Day drinking makes you more drunk. But I know Gronk was saying that it was like the first time they actually partied together. So that might be true. He might have just been trying to keep up with them. Uh, and like they're usually pretty tight. But Gronk was like, well, when I first came to the NFL, I was like 20 years old and he was 31. It's like, so he's not going to want to go hanging out with my friends. And uh, most of my friends uh, don't want this old guy hanging around with us. So I guess that that would make sense. Uh it's just kind of funny to see in front of his kids, too. Uh, I don't know. I If you really want to rip on Tampa, too, and I know you're salty about Tampa, I didn't think that championship parade looked all that fun, just for the, the fans' perspective. I, I mean, I would have loved to be there. Oh. I own the boats it would have been, but like, how good would it be for the other? I mean, unless you have unless you have a boat. It's really. Oh, like, yeah, you have to have a boat, yeah. So I don't know. Well, that's a, that's a, that's a, I'm in the minority on, uh, on both of those, but that's just me. Uh, we go ahead. So I, I know we've talked about this a little bit too. Carson Wentz, the saga drags on. I'm assuming the, I think this is because the Eagles want a lot for him and they're not getting it. And I think the, uh, I know he wants to, I, there was rumors that he said he wanted to go to the Colts over the bears. That was his preferred team, but I don't know if the Colts are offering him enough right now for him to go there. So he might be kind of stuck. Cause I think the, I think he's going to go to the bears. Now I will defend Carson on this. Cause I do want him to come to Chicago. I think he's a clear upgrade over what we have, but uh, I can understand why he'd want to go to the bears because let's look at the problems he had in Philly right now. Number one, uh, a play caller, then Doug Peterson, that didn't really cater to his needs. And then we had a guy in Chicago. You had Matt Nagy and Bill Lazor. They, didn't, they really didn't cater to Trubisky's needs. Trubisky does like, a couple things well, and that's get out of the pocket, and he's athletic. Well, for the most of his time there, he was pocket passer, and they didn't do that, and they didn't run the ball. So that's a problem. Number two, like I just alluded to, uh, they didn't run the ball very well. He doesn't have any running backs. They got a good running back in David Montgomery, but the Bears don't run the ball. They're in the bottom half of the league in rushing attempts. And then the third problem was his weapons. Well, because uh, he had barely anyone, Jalen Rieger, and then he had a horrible offensive line. Bears' awful offensive line is also terrible, bottom 10 in the league. And the offensive weapons, you got a couple, but your best one in Allen Robinson's probably out the door unless they franchise tag him. And then your second best receiver is Darnell Mooney, who solid player, but he's a fifth rounder. So I can understand why Carson Wentz wouldn't be enthused to come to Chicago. And I'm worried if he does come to Chicago, which, I, like I said, I want him to, but uh, if he plays poorly, it's going to continue the narrative that Carson Wentz isn't a good quarterback. I think he'd be going from one bad situation to another. Uh... So I can understand why he would want to go to Indy. I'm just curious, your thoughts of this. As Carson Wentz comes to the Bears, as a Packers fan, are you at all concerned? Like, hey, this team is all of a sudden a contender now. I'm a little bit more worried about him. Or you're like, yeah, he's still not doing anything with this team. Uh, yeah, so what are, what are your thoughts on uh, on the whole Carson Wentz situation? 
Well, obviously, if I'm Carson Wentz, uh, I'd much rather play in Indy with my former offensive coordinator, um, a better roster um, than I would in Chicago, which, um, let's be honest, isn't the most functional organization. You have, you know, a head coach that is willing to do anything to save his job, um, a general manager who's willing to do anything to save his job, um, and a team, you know, that has glaring holes, especially in that offensive side of the ball. Um, is Allen Robinson going to be back? Um, that's to be seen. I don't think so. Um, especially from what his body language seemed like last year, it seems like he's just kind of done with Chicago. Um, an offensive line that wasn't great. Um, and like you said, a head coach that doesn't cater to needs. So, um, and if he does go to Chicago, will all of his problems be solved? Cause let's be honest, last season he did have problems. Uh, Turned the ball over too much, um, and he just kind of—it just seemed like he did not have any confidence, um, and it just was not a good fit. He, I think, I really do think he needs to start over. Um, and for him, I don't know if his problems get solved if he does come to Chicago, um, and that's a big fear of mine because he does have talent. He has shown um, that he does have talent. The year they won the Super Bowl, before he got injured, he was a front runner for the MVP. Um, so he obviously does have that talent. He's still fairly young, especially for a quarterback. Um, but I really just don't think the Bears are a good fit. Um, but it looks like they are a front runner to get him. So yeah, um, and if that's you, what it's looking like. And I, this is what would be going for Carson Wentz if he did come to Chicago. I mean, he would have John DeFilippo, who worked with him in Philly. I don't know how big of a deal that is. I'm sure Frank Reich would be more preferable than John DiFilippo. But, hey, there's a relationship there. Uh, and I do think that if he has a – because in Philly, another problem was they drafted a backup quarterback after he just carried him to the playoffs the one year, and he had been an MVP candidate the other. Like, in two of his last three seasons, he's been in the uh, top 15, top half of the league, and pro football focus grade. And then, obviously, this year he was ranked 31st, which is not ideal. But everyone he has one bad season, and everyone wants to toss this man to the curb. So I agree, he does have talent. And now he's going to get a front office that uh, is basically, their job is on the line with the next quarterback they take. Uh, they're putting all their eggs in his basket. That There's showing a lot of confidence in him, and he's going to have a change of scenery. So I th- And he would automatically be the best quarterback, I think, behind... You'd be right up there with Jay Cutler, maybe a little behind him talent-wise, but uh, I don't know how much more mobile he is now that he got injured. But one of the more talented quarterbacks they've ever had in franchise history. Uh, so I, th- I do think he'd have, I think he'd have that going to him. I think these Bears fans are being a little bit too harsh. I think the Eagles fans threw him under the bus because I don't think Jalen Hurts looked that great near the end of the year either. If you look at his pass no, rating, uh, he's um, just glorified running back. No, he did not look. I mean, he had a, a few good games and he made a few good plays, but. Uh, no, he he really didn't look like anything special. I mean, it's not like he, it's not like it was like uh Brett Favre where he just took the job from under him because he played lights out. It was just he played okay. Yeah, that's about it. Right, right. Um, well, I so yeah, you kind of talked about it. So if he comes, if he is in Chicago, you concerned about the Bears to win that division? No, the Bears still, aren't going to win the division. Still no threat? I'd say I think the defense is – I mean, we need some more out of Robert Quinn, and they, they're they going to have to keep Allen Robinson. I don't know. It's, I could go both ways. This offseason will be very um, – they, they struggle on the run. Uh, well, their front seven on the defense is good. Um, I just I just think that whole culture, um, keeping Nagy around, I, I don't know. It's just – it just seems like that team is destined for eight and eight, no matter what it does. Yeah, I. Yeah, I. We'll, we'll see. I, they had a lot that went wrong. That that was a team that should not have been in the playoffs, and they they got a they caught a lot of breaks uh, as far as like the other teams in the league uh, went. Um, we'll be, we'll wrap up a couple things. I mean, no, number one, I, I want to shout out here uh, Vincent Jackson. Unfortunately, uh, he, they, news came out today that he passed away, uh, which is 
horrible because I heard he was a great guy in their community, and I loved watching him when he was with the Chargers. I remember that was my bandwagon AFC team when I was younger because I loved their powder blue jerseys with him, Antonio Gates, and Phillip Rivers in those playoff games. So I really did enjoy watching him play because he caught some big passes for them. So that was uh, that was sad to hear, uh, unfortunately, today. Um, let's see. Was there, is there any other... Well, Johnny Manziel made his return to football this weekend. That's right. How did he do? I did not watch it. Did you? Did you watch it all? I watched the highlights this morning for a little bit, and it they it it is kind of like arena football, um, except it's more gimmicky. Yeah, and arena football is already pretty gimmicky, but they don't have. It's not like there's in like an out of bounds. Too. So it's not like arena football where there's like the padding and that's like the out of bounds. Like there's an actual out of bounds, but it's weird. So like you have to go for two, and the only people on the field are the quarterback, a wide receiver, and a cornerback, and you have to throw it within like four seconds or something. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Ooh. Um, and there's no kickoffs. Um, I don't think. They scored every possession. The football was horrible. <laughs> so it's basically um, like a it's like a pickup game, basically. Yeah, it's, it's, a, it's like pretty awful. It's I mean it's pretty bad. Um, uh, I, I'm thinking of any uh, Quentin. Uh, oh man, what's that guy's name? He uh, yeah. There's pretty much it's Manzel. I don't even. He got like subbed out for a few drives. It's weird. I mean. I mean, it it was pretty bad. I'm still, yeah, I, I'm still holding out for the XFL to come back, which I heard it is. I would like him to come back. I want to root. I want to root for my. Uh, I want to root for my Battle Hawks. So, uh, fingers crossed that the, the XFL comes back. Jokes on the XFL because when they announced that they folded, Dick Sporting Goods had a clearance sale on Battle Hawks gear, and I spent like. 30 bucks and I got like five battle hawk things. Hey. And now and if they come back, all that stuff's going to be regular price again. You sure said. Um, but You're I got set. it for the cheap. Well, I know too even if it doesn't come back, that'll be uh that could be worth something someday if there's someone there's someone in St. Louis like hey, the battle hawk, that could be that could be iconic piece of memorabilia there. Who knows? Yeah. Well, um Marquette King, who is the punter for the battle hawk made a uh, very heartfelt post on Twitter the other day about Battle Hawks Nation. So that yeah. was pretty cool. You got to love Marquette King, one of the great uh, punters. Uh, you know, he, he helped the punter brand, really. He was one of the, he was one of the, he was one of the good NFL punters. <laughs> I think that's all we got for you. Kind of a, kind of a slower, uh, slower sports week. Uh, we uh, you know, I I don't I I really got I got nothing. Uh, you have anything else of note? Some NHL games, um, some basketball. I know you don't watch. You probably don't watch basketball anymore. No, I don't watch any basketball. I don't even know. I know LeBron's, LeBron and Joel and Beat are having good years. I know um, you're you're a tennis guy. Oh, I'm, yeah, I know. Well, we used to play tennis. Uh, uh. Back in the day, I don't know if you follow. I don't really follow it all, but did you see the the, the video of the fan flipping off? Um, I think it was Novak Djokovic, or no, it wasn't Nadal. I think it was Rafael Nadal. Um, I think I, I think I saw I think I saw a little thing on it. I didn't really pay much attention to it. That was kind of funny. <laughs> anyway, yeah. I think the tennis is supposed to be a classy sport. Um, you know it's. You know, you have to wear like a suit to like the game. This is a match the or whatever. Man, yeah, they, they got to dress. Rafael Nadal, that's who it was. Rafael Nadal got <laughs> some fan gave him the finger, and <laughs> she's calling him out because she called like a. She's like he's doing his serve like ritual, and I know like you know when you in tennis sometimes you get, you have one. I had a stupid one where I'd like scrape both of my shoes, bounce the ball two times, and do it. And the fan was like impatiently waiting as he went through it once again and it was like serve the ball you you ocd uh so she was like screaming at him for like having ocd and then he like looked up and he's like all confused and she was like yeah you heard me and she flipped him off and he was like laughing about it It was kind of funny <laughs> she got kicked out but um hey well and i don't know if you've seen the chicago wolves are also doing very well um as the combo milwaukee admirals chicago wolves 
I they combined. Okay, so I well this is kind of be we're going way off the beaten path. For those of you who don't know, uh, the the casual listener, AHL hockey. Me and Patrick, diehard AHL hockey fans, specifically the Chicago Wolves. We're basically season ticket holders. We look like those jackasses in Major League, the movie. We set up in the nosebleeds, you know, and we go to like at least ten Wolves games a, a season. So that's that's our team. They're an AHL team, the league below the well, NHL. Until, so. until I worked for the Milwaukee Admirals and had to be an Admirals fan. He was an undercover. Really? Yeah, he he infiltrated the Admirals wow. for, for for a season. <laughs> they so they combined because I know the Admirals came out and they said they weren't having a season. So they combined forces, huh? That's interesting. Yeah, um, yeah. And so they got some. They're they're like stacked. I mean, they have. Because um, those were like the two best teams last year. But the Admirals were probably going to win the Calder Cup last year. They were on fire. Um, yeah. Of course, maybe it was because I was in that organization, and you know, I you left, and it all fell apart as team. soon as, as soon as you left. They 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 couldn't field the couldn't field the team anymore this year. <laughs> well, some of the yeah, high, like I've seen um, some of those uh, the photos from a couple of their games, and it looks like they're playing in like it's like not even like an empty stadium. It looks like a, a random, like skate free skate rink. Like there's yeah, no seating. Playing, I think, I think they're in like Highland Park, just in like a like regular hockey rink. You know, like, Johnny's Ice House. No, it's not even that. It's even, just like, yeah. um. So there's no fans. Um. You have to buy AHL TV. It's not on my fifty Chicago anymore. Um. But, well, yeah, it. no, there's not going to be any fans. And the scheduling's like, super weird, too. Like, there'll be one week that you have, like, five games, and then you'll just have, like, a week off. No, I will and say, then, yeah. Yeah, it's, I mean, hey, you got to do what you got to do. It's a, it's an interesting look. I had AHL TV for a season uh, back in high school. That That's that's how sad my life was at the day, watching AHL TV. I will say that, well, let's end with this. Because you had a bunch of horrible, let's be honest, you had a bunch of horrible Super Bowl takes. But the one thing you did get right, and I'm giving you props to this, you were way ahead of the curve. They have a bunch of prop bets, as you know. Color of the Gatorade, How? what's the first song of the halftime show? And you're saying, like, hey, if you know someone or whatever, you could manipulate one of these prop bets. And sure enough, it happened. There was a prop bet uh, for fans going on the field. Like, would there be a streaker during the game? So I don't know if you saw this story or not. Two fans, yeah, buddy and his them. Yeah, yeah they, he, he bet 50 grand on a streaker coming and then his one friend went out first and drew security's attention for him to get on the field they were able to pay bail and i think they went 300 around three over three hundred forty thousand dollars because of that someone did manipulate the prop bets <laughs> yeah but the, the bookies refusing to pay him though are they really oh, i feel like yeah, you should get his money back at least out. i feel like you got to get your money back maybe you don't well pay. It, the problem was is he bragged about it everywhere if he didn't brag about it he you know, he, he, probably, got... he probably would have been fine, but he went around and said, yeah, dude, I bet on it, and then I did it. And so the gambling company's like, yeah, we're just not going to pay you then. That's true. Oh, that's a dumb prop bet to have out anyway because stuff like that could happen. And a lot of these prop bets are dumb. They get a hot tip from the Gatorade guy with what the color's yeah. going to be. Yeah, I don't know. Well, and I will, I will say this, Mitchell. My NFL takes... Until about week twelve, I was looking like the smartest man. He were spot you know? on for a while. Yeah, no, he he had he had a bunch. And then of like after weeks. after like week twelve, like they just started going downhill. I said it didn't look like Tampa Bay was you know all that. They ended up winning the Super Bowl. I said Leonard Fournette was washed. He wasn't going to do anything. He didn't do anything. He had a big game in the Super Bowl. Um, he I had said a good Seattle playoffs in general. Good. He, he he had a yeah. pretty good postseason, but you were right. They, he was a healthy scratch a couple games, so you give you that. Yeah. Um, I said uh, the Seahawks were going to make the Super Bowl. They looked great until about week fourteen. Their offense went to nothing. They ended up losing in the wild card round. Um, so you know, my NFL season, I was flying high and mighty. I had my chin up high. I'd come on the show and brag about it. Um, and then, you know, it, by the end of the season, I was picking the Chiefs by 20 in the Super Bowl. It, so It happens. That's just the way he goes. Oh, well, yeah. he, the Seahawks did look good for the first half of the season when the offense was humming. And then they figured out the defense. I'm like, oh, no, Patrick's going to get this one right. And then the offense completely collapsed in the back half of the year. And now I heard there's a report. Well, I mean, we're really going down the rabbit hole here. But uh, we, we got time. 
the, the Seahawks with Russell Wilson, Russell Wilson came out and said, hey, I'm unhappy. You don't fix this offensive line. I'm going to want out. And the Seahawks were very vocal about their displeasure of him coming out with that. So there's kind of a mini rift there. Uh, do you think he, he's, he's getting traded? I don't see it happens. I think there's no way you trade Russell Wilson if you're the Seahawks, nor will they want to, despite the fact they're unhappy with them, I guess. Uh, but yeah, do you see anything coming out of that uh, little dispute there? Um, well, from what I have heard, and a lot of this is coming from the herd that I watched this morning, um, and I agree with it. Their offense is very um, old school. It's not, you know, you know, they don't have like a guy like Matt Lafleur or a, um, like one of those young, you know, uh, Sean McVay types offenses. And apparently Russell Wilson, he's pissed about that, pissed about getting hit a lot. Um, and he's pissed that, you know, and you see this is like in a lot of organizations, like you see in Green Bay, like you see with, uh, you know, Tom Brady in New England, Tampa Bay. Um, these high-level quarterbacks are having more and more of a say in the organization. Um, and Russell really doesn't have it. Pete Carroll, um, as head coach, is, you know, pretty much has a hold on a lot of the team. Um, and Russell Wilson, um, you know, he's not, you know, the guy who won the job. He's the third-round pick that somehow, you know, oh, he's doing all these great things. You know, he's at the point where he's a veteran and he's a top-five quarterback in this league, and he wants to be recognized as that. Um, I think he feels disrespected in a certain regard. Yeah. Um, and – you know, and he's he's pissed off, and he's showing that. Um, he's almost like Seattle's smart. If Seattle's smart, they'll listen to him. They'll give him a say, um, and they'll keep him there because you know Russell Wilson is a talent that is tough to find. Um, and you've seen teams trying to find that much of a talent at quarterback and have never been able to find right. it. So. Well, I, I'm glad you, I mean, you made a good point. Like, if you give him a say and you make it feel like that his input is being valued, that's all you need to do. Because that's where the Texans went wrong. They told Deshaun Watson, they promised him, hey, you can help us pick out the new GM. Didn't have a say, so they lied to him. I feel like even if they didn't take the guy he wanted, if they let him have a say and, like, talk to him about it, then you they wouldn't be having these problems right now. Uh, I feel like these quarterbacks, though, like, you know, you're going up watching all these NBA stars. They're like, hey, we want to have command of the our, where we're supposed to go to, and we want more player empowerment, and that's fine and well, but that's just not how the NFL works. The shield is a lot bigger than all these guys, especially when you need 11 on a field. Uh, there's, you know, there's only so much you can do where uh, you're not going to be able to just force your way out of any situation you want to unless you're J.J. Watt and, uh, you know, you spent your you did you did your time there, but uh, that I mean I don't I don't see him. The, the Seahawks well, just wanted him as well. Green Bay with Aaron Rodgers. I mean I don't think Lafleur was Rodgers' pick. I don't think Rodgers had much of a say in Lafleur. Yeah, he certainly didn't have a say in the in the draft last year. I'll tell you and, that. Yeah, I well I I know he was there was rumblings that he was unhappy with the Lafleur pick initially and i think that's worked out just fine for him but like i'm sure if he yeah. had his way he probably would have been requesting a trade out of there a couple of years ago yeah but that's the thing is you know these quarterbacks you know they're great players and all but you know not every quarterback's a good general manager and i think a lot of these guys they have so much like uh you know these i mean if russell wilson left seattle what would seattle be yeah they'd be nothing right so these quarterbacks hold so much over their heads, over these organizations' heads, and sometimes, uh, you know, that becomes problematic. Yeah. Um, so. Yep. There you yeah. ha- hey, that, that, there you have it, Patrick. Thank you, thank, thank you so much for joining us this week. Uh, we are on the Unhinged Sports Network, as some of you know. Uh, we got a couple advertisements. I got to knock out really quick. First off, uh, if you haven't already. Go to fanatics.com. Uh, we have a link on our Twitter. You go at Dorm Room Dispute. We'll have a link. It says link tree on the, in our bio. You click the link tree. One of those will say Fanatics. You click on that one, and it'll take you directly to the Fanatics site. You can shop. Maybe you can find, uh, you probably won't be able to find some Battle Hawks gear like Patrick, but you can find some other good stuff. Get a Russell Wilson jersey. Uh, you can get uh, whatever team the J.J. Watt goes to once he, the New Jersey's come up. And then you get a Tom Brady Super Bowl Champions t-shirt. Something along those lines. And if you do so, a portion 
of that uh, will be kicked to the podcast network, and it'll help be helping support us and the other great shows on Unhinged. And then finally, if you haven't already, check out Fubo TV. Same thing. Go to our bio. Click the link. It'll take you to the Fubo TV uh, website. You get a 14-day free trial. You can watch all the sports your heart desires. It is nice. They got a, they got a lot of stuff on there. Any live sport event, a lot, any live sporting event you can think of, it's probably on Fubo TV. Makes it easy. You don't have to go looking for those Reddit streams. You know that's gonna mess up your computer and give you a virus. You just go to get Fubo TV. That's, and you uh, that's, district. What, that's what I did for uh, Daytona. My Xfinity wasn't working for whatever reason. So I had to watch the TSN broadcast of the Daytona 500. So I was getting a lot of Canadian commercials. <laughs> um, so just get Fubo. I wish I had Fubo. Um, I don't have any money, so I didn't get it. Uh, but yeah, get Fubo. There you go. You heard it there first. Get Fubo. And once again, you'll be supporting the network. We got an exciting announcement for you guys coming up. Next week, too, uh, as far as the podcast goes. So you want to tune in for that. But uh, until then, thank you so much for listening, and have a wonderful rest of your week.